0: Hello and welcome to the Solent Sports News podcast with me, Isaac Farnworth and Sam Raymond. Tonight we are joined on the pod with tech markers Will Whittingham as we react to the Oxford University findings announced which headline that video games could actually be good for well-being. The report would certainly have raised a few eyebrows considering much of the coverage around computer games seems to draw negative press but this links to obesity and addiction. But perhaps up until now we've been too focused on the perceived harm video games can do on the players rather than maybe looking at the educational, social and fun elements which gaming does so well. First of all, hello Sam, how are you doing?
1: Hello, good to see you. Yes, I guess the first thing is, is quite interesting, like you said, it goes against probably the typical stereotypes of what video games cause, particularly social, I think. If you play games, you do get close to people, maybe necessarily you wouldn't have before or out of that era. So, yeah, that Oxford study is quite interesting because it goes against what most people in society think about video games.
0: Yeah no absolutely definitely very interesting interesting study that's come out and Will Viper Whittingham as his casting name so calls him how how would you react to this news that um, has come out this week?
2: I think it's for me as someone who kind of lives and breathes video games uh, to an extent uh, I think I'm very very strange in that I'm a someone who works full-time in the video game and esports realms and I have I do a lot of work outside of the traditional nine to five in video games as well but maybe not someone who plays as many video games as I used to when I was growing up just because of time constraints and just and discovering very quickly that if you're working in something all day every day it becomes much much harder to switch off and enjoy it as a hobby Um, but it's not something that surprised me particularly because it's a lot of the time when you see these links to uh, from video games to addiction and to violence and all of these things, um, and to antisocial behavior, it's people who haven't got a full strong grasp, understanding of what video games are now, especially in esports, where video games are now intrinsically, and in these times more than ever, where we're in lockdown, people aren't able to go outside and maybe socialize in traditional ways as much. You've got... So much ability to socialise with people near and far on these games which are more and more intrinsically very, very social.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. Lockdown definitely has been a big boost for video games. I've seen that sales have gone up from Nintendo like crazy amounts. Uh, just just because of lockdown people being stuck inside, they have to find things to do. Um, Sam, are you are you yourself a gamer?
1: Um probably not anymore. Maybe just sort of as I've got older, probably got more disinterested. I think you mentioned there about how sales went up during lockdown i think one of probably the most important things during lockdown has always has been you know big sports stars getting involved with esports you know particularly i think the f1 stars you know i think they've got big numbers for that and so that just heightened the awareness of esports you've got when you sort of start getting professional sport sports stars involved in it it helps almost legitimize esports
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I was looking at some of the stats and it's saying that in this year, the global e-sports market was valued at just over 950 million US Mm dollars. And according to that source's estimates, the the revenue is going to grow to 1.6 billion by 2023. So just, yeah, three years time. It's a really rapid growth, isn't it, Phil?
2: Yeah, 100%. Like it's the growth has been, as you said, it's, it's a very, it's been a very, very weird time for esports and video games in lockdown with uh, coronavirus and everything going on in the world in 2020. Because obviously the way that the world has been this year is tragic and awful. Um, and a lot of people have lost jobs and things have become difficult for many, many people. But as you say, sales of video games and awareness of video games as a medium and esports as an entertainment has gone up drastically. Because while traditional sports got hit very, very hard by coronavirus. Um, people were unable to go to games and games weren't able to happen because you have people near each other esports could adapt much much faster so while we lost the aspect of having crowds in stadiums and having teams on stage next to each other the fact that teams in the highest levels usually had gaming houses so we're usually together anyway um so it could isolate together the fact that you've got Um, the ability to play online with people watching and you've already got infrastructure for people to watch. So you've got stuff like Twitch, YouTube where people are already going to watch this if they're not in the location. Um, Esports was able to survive and adapt much, much faster, which helped because if you haven't got say formula one is a great example that Sam gave, if you've not got the ability to watch car racing in real life, watching people racing cars online, if you've got the same kind of infrastructure and stuff isn't that different? And I think that the idea of sports people getting involved is really, really interesting because you've got massive examples like David Beckham um, founding his own esports organization. I know Sergio Aguero did very, very similar, and has just been announced as a cover star for Esports Business Journal. Um, and even today, um, we had Deli Ali just announced that he was partnering with XL Esports, which is a London based esports brand as well. So you've got massive people coming into the scene who maybe aren't endemic. So people who are outside of the esports scene, looking in and going, this is a great opportunity to be involved with. You've got many more people coming in as marketers and as owners as well. And it's a very, very good time for growth in the esports market, because it wasn't small at the beginning of 2020, but when the alternatives were hit much harder and it took much longer to adapt and have things like football come back, um, esports are basically the alternative that many, many people turn to. And when you've got um, esports being the only sport that's going on and the BBC picking up it up and broadcasting it and stuff like that, you're getting new eyes on it every single day. And while many people are complaining and saying, ah, oh, this isn't real sport, why is this here? Um, you've got plenty of people who are like, oh, this is actually quite interesting. Let me sit down and watch. And that's how um, we've seen such growth in the market.
0: Yeah, I mean, the very fact that it, I saw that you, you've done some casting on BBC Sport, mm. but the very fact that it's on BBC Sport shows it's getting mainstream because BBC, it doesn't get more mainstream in BBC Sport, does it, uh, Will?
2: No, absolutely not. And while that's a very um, so, the UK and the Nordic region are the ones that are on BBC. Um, it was announced today that Blast Premier, which is a CS:GO tournament, is also going to be streamed on uh, iPlayer Live as well. It's just showing how much more mainstream. Of course, we had ESPN covering esports for a couple of years. They've just laid off um, the majority of the esports writing team, unfortunately, because of general company laybacks. But when you've got people covering it in a more mainstream way, there are issues. I know a lot of people have complained about, I think Sky Sports was the main culprit of being pretty dismissive of e-sports as a as a concept and saying like they, they cover it, but they cover it in like the most, oh, video games, people play it for a living and make lots of money, ha 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 um, angle. Where a lot more places like the BBC are now covering it in terms of this is a real thing. People make their livelihoods. Like I wouldn't have my job if esports and gaming weren't big business. Um, there are, you see as a job hiring board, I think we currently have, we have over 11,000 live active jobs on our site from esports and gaming and any, any sector that has that many paid opportunities in it can't really be considered small beans or something that's just a flash in the pan because a lot of people are saying, look, this will be gone in two, three, four years time. But people are saying that's about Hollywood in the, what, the 30s, 20s, 30s. People said that about football before that. People were saying that about pretty much everything. Television, I'm sure, was also said um, that these things wouldn't last and hang around, and these were all big business. And you could already see the adaptation of how esports is coming in and taking over and how video games are becoming. For many people um, of the younger generations, people aren't rushing home to watch a film or to watch TV. They're rushing home to play stuff like Fortnite, to play Fall Guys, to play League of Legends. So it's kind of as the younger people are growing up and becoming – like my age, I'm in my twenties now, sadly, as sad as I has to say, but I'm the generation that started to get this disposable income has started to have full-time jobs and is still consuming and buying these games. So it's showing that it's not just the youngest audience. And that's not including all the people who've got nostalgia in the thirties, in their thirties and forties, who are still playing video games and still uh, being active in the esports and gaming community.
0: Mm, that's all really, really interesting to hear. You've got any questions you'd like to ask Sam?
1: Uh- no, to be fair, the thing I was going to say, I think the big thing is probably the, the idea of it all being on BBC or broadcast. So I think if you look back, you would say 10 years ago or even five years ago, you wouldn't really see anything esports. you might occasionally see one. You're now regularly seeing, you know, e or gaming articles on BBC Sport all the time now. So you can tell there's clearly a big interest out there and it's a sport that a lot of broadcasters, I think, will continue to to um show because no one else is doing it. There is a big gap in the market there, essentially for a broadcaster to come and do big, heavy coverage of it, particularly like the likes of the BBC.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that, as you said, five years ago, I'd maybe see one esports news story a year, which was basically who won the League of Legends World Championship. That'd be it. That'd be the coverage for the year. But now the fact that you've got um, and I think were, it is really good because A, League of Legends, which has been considered the main e-sport for a long, long time, um, has the coverage of that has grown massively. And then you're seeing weekly updates and it's on the BBC itself. You look at CSGO now on the BBC as well. But you, a lot of credit has to go to games that, even for myself, like I don't play Fortnite and I would not know where to start with it. Um, but games like Fortnite, they got such massive, like they took the world by storm. And it gripped the youngest generation, the younger generation so so well. Having tournaments like that, if you're if all the ch- if everyone in the world is playing Fortnite, parents will know about Fortnite. You've got adults knowing about Fortnite. Streamers are going to be like, we need to play this game to make money, and the whole ecosystem basically just boomed off the back of that game. And there have been plenty of games which have done the same thing. You can look at, um, for lesser examples, you can look at like Fall Guys, Apex Legends, Among Us, all of these video game titles, and even stuff like Animal Crossing, which the article. Um, Concentrated mm. on quite heavily. These are games which came out and took the world by storm for like what will seem like three or four weeks to most people, because that's how long they're in, like the, the general bubble. But you can look at player rates. I still know plenty and plenty of people who play um Among Us every day, who play Animal Crossing every single day. These games came out months and months ago. People who are still buying that game. And that's got much more longevity. I don't know people who are still watching the same film. Every day, six months after it's been released. I don't know people who watch the same TV program every day, six months after they've come out. But with video games, they've got such more longevity and stay in the cultural sphere for so much longer. And that's not including the six to eight mo- uh, week period where they're the world's biggest news for entertainment.
0: Yeah, no, it's fascinating how they had that kind of draw and that appeal just to people keep going back and again and again. Sam, you were speaking to uh, Elliot Bond, weren't you, from the British Esports Association? What did he have to say?
1: Um, I mean, the big thing he said talks about was in when he was talking about Britain, East British Esports is that for a long time it, there was a slow growth; it wasn't anything too big. But in the last couple of years, there has been, you know, it's the growth of esports has gone really. Rapid and they weren't expecting that at all. So, I mean, that was the main thing is because okay, esports has only popped up in the last couple of years. But I think that's just because the simple fact is, you know, the likes of the BBC and other companies are trying to find a new niche market. I think the likes of the BBC, of course, can't compete against the likes of Sky and BT. So, they've got to find something new. And esports has that potential, especially if the likes of Sky are saying, no, we're not interested in it.
0: Yeah. No, that's interesting. I mean, f- for me, like my brother and watching housemates play, I find they get really frustrated playing esports. Obviously, this report is, is saying about talking about the benefits. What do you see with your casting, um, Will, in terms of how it's affecting people mentally?
2: I think for myself as a caster, I'm fortunate in that I basically, when it comes to the games themselves i get nothing but the positive because i'm watching pretty much every series as a neutral and of course there are teams that i root for more than other teams because that's how it is you can see football commentators will they'll still root for a team most of the time but it's getting i get to enjoy the best play of the game every game regardless of who's making it right um and i get to be excited by every single amazing play and every single really smart decision that's made on the map but if you're playing a game and as someone who has to play a lot of League of Legends specifically and team fight Tactics, which are the games that I cover, because while I don't have that much time to play games recreationally, you need to pl- be playing the game consistently to understand what's going on. Because unlike something like football, um, or you can argue about football um, for hours and hours about how the meta and the tactics change in that, the games are updated consistently. So pe- people are always finding new stuff that's really good, finding out that old stuff isn't as good anymore. Um, So you need to kind of keep on top of that. And when I'm playing, yeah, it can be, it is like traditional sports in the sense of in football. If you're playing a good match of football with your friends, you're playing against another team. It does suck when you lose. Like you're never out here being like, I'm really glad that we lost. But for the majority of the time, there is a case of like, ah, we might have lost, but I still had a lot of fun playing. That's why a lot of people play sport because they just enjoy doing it. Um, and you can talk about all the fitness aspects and stuff which don't really exist in esports um, and it's it's very hard to make the argument that you become fit while playing esports because I don't think that's particularly true um, physically at least but I know that I I have met people and I do know people where if they they have an unhealthy relationship with esports titles uh, the same way that people have an unhealthy relationship with video game titles where they'll play for hours and they'll be completely unable to control their anger and completely unable to react positively when they lose you have this stereotype of people being told being sworn at, and told to kill themselves and stuff on league of legends and i've seen that firsthand like the number of times that i get to c- told to kill myself is obscene um, and i don't play at a high level um there are bad actors in the community and i think they are much more able to be bad actors because of the kind of anonymity that you get online in these video games and We can talk for days about the negative, uh, the the homophobia within esports and video games. You can talk about the rampant misogyny and sexual assault that the esports industry has has started to come to light in the esports industry this year, which is really, really disheartening, but it's good to see that bad actors are being removed in this way. Um, And the idea that when you're behind a keyboard and mouse, you can kind of get away with anything. So while it's not the best, like there are definitely people who cannot deal with this in esports. It's, it's, I think it's very, very different to something like Animal Crossing, which is what the article was on, mm. or um, Garden Warfare, because these aren't high-octane esports titles that are very, very competitive. You're not getting aggressively angry at someone in Animal Crossing because they caught a fish you wanted to catch, right? And I think when you get higher up in the competitive sphere, you do get it gets more competitive. So people tempers flare more, people complain more. It means more to people, meaning that they react on the whole worse and that's not to say there aren't amazing people in high level esports i know plenty of players who play full-time professionally who are the most lovely individuals and have nothing but good things to say about them but i think in esports if you did a similar review on esports specifically like you sat down and did it about league of legends you get a lot of people who would talk about frustration and anger and disappointment but at the end of the day that's just how individuals react i think on the whole it's a video game at the end of the day. I think the majority of the community understands that. And on the whole, you you do have really, really amazing uh, experiences. And even um, for myself, I've made a lot of close personal friends through video games, either discovering people online who I have never met in real life from other countries who mm-hmm. I play with frequently, or even discovering people in real life. So when I was at school and university, I made a lot of friends through video games because that was our initial mutual interest. And these friends became real-life friends who I'd go to the pub with or hang out with even when we're not playing games because I like them as people.
0: Yeah. No, that's interesting you mentioned the social aspect. I think that's a, that was a big part of the study. Mm. Like um, fathers and daughters, like they, they would get more out of playing in Animal Crossing sorry, rather than watching a film together, That was what they mentioned. And you mentioned, you touched on the homophobia and abuse and things like that. Mm. Do you know what the authorities and the gaming associations are doing to counteract that?
2: Yeah, so it's because eSports is such a online and such a social community, Twitter is huge in the eSports industry. Uh, Discord is huge in the industry. You've even got uh, things like EFU starting to come up, which are social medias designed for eSports and gaming communities. Court of public opinion is massive. So when people were being outed for these abuse allegations, people were getting cancelled very, very quickly. And you can see the bad actors immediately, because you can see if a woman is coming out with an allegation of sexual assault, um, you could see companies were releasing players or companies were firing top officials, or you could even see the companies that weren't doing enough or weren't doing anything to these allegations um, and how the community started very, very quickly distancing themselves from uh, these companies. As a member of the community, it does really, really suck. And I think for the most part, there are individuals who are no longer working in esports. And there are big name individuals who are no longer associated with the esports world because they wouldn't be able to get work in esports anymore because companies know um, that these are bad actors. And companies in esports especially do keep lists of people that they do not want to work with again. Um, It's kind of an open secret that some of the biggest tournament organizers have them. And these people who have been involved in sexual misconduct or have been involved in racism or homophobia have been put on these lists. And there are individuals who in the past have done stuff that's wrong and have kind of actually made an attempt to improve and to reform. Um, so there are individuals who have had allegations leveled against them, who have apologized publicly and are still in the gaming sphere. And there are individuals who have had allegations leveled at them and didn't apologize and are still in the gaming sphere because they have a community that doesn't care Um, and are just there to support the content creator, which I think is very, very negative, but it's not unusual, sadly. You've still got people going to films by directors or actors who are being uh, accused of some pretty awful stuff. So it's pretty similar to the entertainment industry in that regard. Um, Again, I do not know if any actual charges, uh, legal challenges have been made. Um, And I don't know, it's very difficult to, where it's difficult to prove um, actual crime has taken place um, and especially when esports is such an international thing you have companies and individuals from all over the world where they're based um, and it can be hard to charge if say one person's from one country one person's from another and the crime took place in a third country um, it can be very very complicated and a lot of people don't want to be dredging that stuff up hmm. individually for themselves because it's too traumatic so i think while i don't know that i know that for those who have been outed and for those who have been accused of things um it's without a heartfelt apology and actual steps in order to reform and become better it's very very hard for them to find a space in mainstream esports outside of their already existing communities who are much more willing to forgive bad actions than just the general community is
0: yeah no thank you that that's very very interesting to hear and very helpful i think that's pretty much all we've got time for today on the solent sports news podcast but will whittingham thank you so much for coming on i hope you enjoyed being a friend of the pod and sam thanks again for your insight as ever once again if you ever want to stay in touch it's at solent sports news on twitter instagram facebook youtube you'll find us until next time stay safe